Who does Luke Boyle look like? Let's give let's give Luke Boyle a shout out. Who does he look like? From Fugazi? Or just no, in general? In life. I feel like someone from the Brothers McMullen. I don't know who, but I'm going to go with someone from the Brothers McMullen. Okay. Shout out to Luke Boyle, Brothers McMullen. What? There is someone he looks like. Yeah, probably. Luke, if you know who you look like, let us know. Uh, Call the hotline. Yeah, and any other Dactyl Ducks fans, if you want to just like leave us a voicemail, let us know who you look like that is a celebrity, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> I get um I get telly from uh, kids often, and I'm not particularly happy with that one. I can't wait to make memes about that. That is so good. Welcome to Doc's Till Death, the podcast. I don't have any deeds. I said. <laughs> wait a minute, guys. Let me start there's over chocolate? because there's chocolate. There's glaze. There's glaze. Welcome to Doc Still Death, the podcast where old punks talk about punk documentaries. My name's Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Tetlin. I'm, <laughs> I'm Matt. It's like I was gonna make a chocolate donut joke, but it's it's probably also a joke that might be a reference to something that's cut out of <laughs> this episode. Probably, but you never know. Maybe we do have twenty minutes about Pete fucking <laughs> losing his mind about Dunkin' Donuts for five. Uh, consecutive years. See, uh, yes. Just because you're from New England doesn't mean you have to love Dunkin' Donuts or like you have to think they're the best donuts. Yeah. That's our that's our bold already. statement we're coming out with, and that won't be where's, the first bold I've got statement. Forty five minutes of Zoom just about Dunkin' Donuts. Let's right. where's the first, yeah, from where's you. the first Dunkin' Donuts, Pete? I'm not sure. You oh, know exactly where it is. It's right down the street from where we lived, isn't it? Is that the no. first one? The first one isn't in, that like, the first one, or is it in Quincy? I thought it was like I thought it was in Quincy. 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 He's Googling this. Quincy? At the, at the yeah, moment. I am Googling. Quincy. Manchester by the Sea was, they just kept talking about it, right? In that movie? <laughs> I, should I wait for you to Google where no, the first no. Dunkin' Donuts is, or should I start talking about the movie we're doing? Yeah, just start. Both. People, people oh, just I'm finding that in. it's founded in Quincy. There you go. First one is in Quincy, then. But uh, that Dunkin' Donuts is not very good is not the only controversial thing I'm sure we will say about today's documentary, or at least from one of us today's doc we are covering a classic i would say uh one that i know i was excited about when it came out and bought it right away uh i'm sure another member of the dtd crew bought it right away and i'm definitely sure that the other member of the crew did not <laughs> and had to put up with it from all of his friends and that of course mm-hmm. okay that of course would be the march 29th 1999 vhs release fugazi <laughs> instrument aka discord number 80 <laughs> is this the first doc that we have released that we have talked about that is an actual label release i think it might hmm. be because this one is in the Discord, uh, this counts as a Discord release. And Pete, this is also something for you to answer: is the soundtrack eighty-one? That I don't know. Oh, is Strife was Strife in the Victory catalog? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, good question. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing it didn't get an actual release number. 
Only he, because he, I would imagine Victory is not as precious about it as Discord is. Yeah, but the numbering yeah. system. Because like, that's a pretty yeah. big important thing that they do there. Um, but so, yeah, this was... Uh, hey, man, this was our first insight into the behind the scenes of one of the most important alternative rock bands of the early 90s and aughts. Fugazi. Uh, yeah, this so this was a documentary that documentary slash uh, not tour is it? Is this even a documentary? Really? That Wikipedia, was one question. Wikipedia calls it an experimental documentary. Okay, I which can means that. I just like we can't really quote, we don't know exactly what to call it, so we're going to just call it an experimental version. All of, of Wikipedia watched and said, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, and that just said oh. my mind. <laughs> Uh, so this was uh, a release that was done by Jem Cohen, a filmmaker uh, that was uh, friends of the band, friends with Ian since high school, uh, has done a lot of work that I realize I've never seen anything else by Jem <laughs> Cohen. Uh, and that's more of a uh, thing that I'm saying about myself, not him as a filmmaker. Um, he shot it all on Super 8. 16 millimeter and video shot Fugazi shows. <laughs> oh my God. Matt just grew a neck beard right away. <laughs> uh, Matt just got red pilled. Uh, and he, he shot this Fugazi stuff from 1987 to 1998. Uh, a big chunk of this movie is from uh, them in the studio for red medicine, which was in 1995 uh, the entire thing, it took five years to edit together when they decided to actually do it. It was a combination of Jem editing it as well as the band, which sounds exhausting as someone who used to edit. What was the kind of impetus behind this quote from Jem Cohen? Uh, I did feel that there were a lot of people that either didn't have access to the band or had something of a misconception of what they were like. I wanted to address those issues to some degree. But what I really wanted to do was just capture music making and try to make something that felt visually like music and something where the music was inextricably tied in with the moving pictures. Mm. So that is what wow. he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is what he did. <laughs> that is what we saw. Uh, and so, yeah, those are the basic deets on Fugazi instruments. Uh, before we start diving into it, uh, one, I guess I just want to ask, like, yeah, Pete, you got this right when it came out, and did you love it? I stayed up. I'm not asking that. Matt because I, I, I know you did Newbury not. Comics at midnight, so I could get it. Did you really? That's, no, that's untrue. Uh, I don't would've think would have done. I don't think this is the type of thing that they would have done like a midnight release. Um, I did get it on VHS when it came out, and I watched it a lot. Yeah. I, I guess I, we were. I, I was we going to say I don't want to even ask Matt. Right? Yeah, we would have been when it came out. I'm. I don't, don't remember us all watching it together, but I feel like it's something we. Seems like it would have been a rotting stuff staple. Yeah, March '99. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it would no, have carried was, over. Like it would have been like. March '99 was um, our junior Pete's sophomore year. Um, so that would have been, bef- that would have been when we lived together, Jeff, but Pete was not yet living with us. Cause I remember watching it 
I think with Joe and when he was living mm. with Sean Matthew. Oh, uh-huh. Yes. Um, Shout and out Matthew. And I think that we were um, – I think that Jesse was there. And as we'll talk later, a, a, a friend from college is featured a few times. Like, oh, you're talking about scene. Fugazi instrument star Jesse Orozco Serwer? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, and I, I think he was – I think it was like – and this is why I also thought it was I, – I think – I would. this is why I would venture a guess that it didn't have like – a showing because I remember watching it with a bunch of people or being around when people were watching it, like with all people who would have been kind of dying you know, to like, be at a screening of it. Yeah, yeah, right. While you sat there going, "Why is this thing so goddamn long?" <laughs> Jesus Christ! This this encaps this movie encapsulates, I think, the elements of of Fugazi that I did not like. I don't even mature in quotes or a kind of like passiveness or a kind of like reservedness or a kind of obtuseness, arcane, like something like just kind of like, what exactly are you going for? Mm -hmm. You know, and why are you like, why is there just like over the, over the, like the drum beat? Why is this (laughs) deal? Like for like seemingly like five minutes, like those qualities are like accentuated in this movie. So Matt was giving you, Matt is giving you an amuse record. Matt is giving you an amuse-bouche taste of his feelings on the movie that are leading into what are his feelings about the music of Fugazi as a whole. But on on record, they're not doing that. I think live they're doing that. I don't know about on record. Oh, yeah. No, as I've I've said, like... like, You don't think he was just humming that... If I could pull up some text, I feel up like was like <laughs> saying something close to like I I have a newfound love for I do Fugazi. I do I I yeah. do because that but see that steady ground, diet of nothing yeah uh, that's, that's the, the one with the little skinhead boy as you describe uh, it always <laughs> I like that one <laughs> no the one I can't handle is repeater like repeater the, uh, is over. <laughs> played at this point yeah but no i so i think the point i'm trying to make is that like and it's going on too long but that i do since like we've been since we've been doing this and like revisiting them more than i would otherwise i've come to appreciate them more and really enjoy them um because i think listening to the records outside of this um like seeing them live i was never into saw them live a number of times but I always, again, like I made this joke before, but like I'm always like thinking about, man, I wore the wrong shoes. Like at some point during the concert when they're like swaying back and forth, like you mean like you think picking... you shouldn't have been wearing shoes because it's a fucking hippie show and you're just like, yes. <laughs> praise <laughs> him, praise yeah. him. But when you listen to the records, you're like, oh no, like they they trim the fat, I I, I and it, and it. It's you know it's they're they're good, they're immediate, they feel like like vibrant and lively. This movie felt like the video equivalent of like, ah, fuck, I wore the wrong shoes. <laughs> I love that description. I have, I have heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a new one that he just pulled out. That's nope. a classic. He's been working this. He's been he's been working this. <laughs> he's been Johnny Rotnick this. He's yes. been Johnny Rotnick. His, his, you, you ever feel, feel like you wore the wrong pair of shoes? You ever feel like you've been tricked? Mm, not that. You ever feel like you wear the wrong pair of loafers? Nope. <laughs> And I only saw them once. I love that Matt saw them many, really? many times. Yeah, they're just like I was like almost want to look at their dates and see what where they were when I would have seen them in Connecticut because I never saw them in Connecticut. Um, they say a line here um, where like I don't know what year that 
section was filmed at, but they're like, oh, we've played every state some five to eight times. Mm-hmm. They talk about all the countries they've been in. I don't know who's saying it. I forget. And I, you know, since this movie was filmed over the course of a number of years, I don't know when that quote was given. Right. It feels like they said it at a concert when they were must have been in like South Dakota or something. Like it would seem like very remote and spread right. out. And I thought to myself, when I heard that line, I was like, they've only played every state like five to eight times. I feel like they were around all the time. That's the thing. Like, I'm almost like, I don't want to say they didn't play Connecticut because I'm sure they did. And I just wasn't aware of it like that. It would just be like, if it wasn't at the tune in, I didn't know. Or if Jamie from Hapri didn't book it, I didn't know. But well, that's the issue, right? Like, is it, yeah. that, what, they, were probably, they probably played it like Yale or something. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I only saw them once at Lupo's, like, towards the ends. Like, when they had, like, that other guy playing with them uh, on, like... Where's Lupo's? Rhode Island? Yeah. That's the... When they played, toured with the X? Is that that tour? It probably was. I don't remember. Yeah. I think we missed the opener, so I think it was probably the X. Was that where they had the Pac-Man machine in the place? I don't know. Is that, that when they... Are you saying that when they had two drummers? Yes. When I don't know who that other guy was. Jerry you know Busher. Pete? Was he... Jerry anything? Busher. Jerry Busher shout out. Jerry Busher shout out. Uh, so yeah, surprisingly, uh, he, did play, he did play drums in Fidelity Jones. There we go. Ooh. There we go. First Fidelity <laughs> Jones shout out. So, uh, but some other. Yeah. Why? Right. How many times did you see Fugazi? Who are you asking? Pete. Who are you asking? Um, we know Matt saw them. Like went on tour with them. Like they was fucking following the dead somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Got soy face every time waiting room. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm just picturing Matt shirtless at a Fugazi show, fucking grooving up front. (laughs) Wait till it. Arm arm around Mark Anderson, like, like, we got this. (laughs) Try to look for a fucking basketball hoop he could crawl into. (laughs) Iconic. That was iconic. We saw them at least twice together in, in D.C., I've traveled only, to DC with these. <laughs> you guys are a di- oh, you yeah. are a Fugazi. With just I only, <laughs> not me. With just I only no. I only went to one of oh, those. Oh, people went once. Oh, I went to twice. Yeah, you went twice. You're more, you're more into them than I am. Uh, <laughs> that is a glutton for punishment, or just for complaining later in his life. Or something. he's like, you know what? I need to break these shoes in. I'm going to DC. <laughs> Hold on. I got some new. Solvej was in the mix. Oh, what you say? The Solvej in the mix. Sure, that's that, that fucking. I'll oh, drive eight hours everything. and go see a four-hour Friends, show. Fugazi and Solvage. What else do you need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I saw them, I don't know, a handful of times. I mean, maybe... It's amazing. Five I'm to, just five sorry. To seven. I'm just now thinking about how Matt, in all of his complaining, is like one of the more gung-ho about going to a show. Like Wait, I'm gung-ho about going to a show? Yeah, I'm just... Again, I'm always bringing up, but I'm thinking about how, like, you were willing to go on that drive from D.C. to Stalag to go see Capitol's oh, yeah, Casualties I mean, I was, in Hell Nation, but you just kind of went along with it. Like, I mean, I get it, but you're being a good friend, but... So this movie, <laughs> what's up with it? So it's what so weird. It? I was like, this is weird. I don't know if I like it or I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I don't like it or I'm just bored. I don't know. The um, so that was my nieces reviewing it. <laughs> um, let's talk about. Yep. Yeah. What do you want? Go to ahead. About? Oh, if you have something important to say, if you have something important enough to cut me off, uh, no, to no, say no, no. Me, go ahead. Let's talk about it. No, go let's ahead. Talk and about it. Let's just talk about like let's do broad strokes. Okay. First, the, um, the broad strokes are 
it's largely a, a live con- live concert footage film. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. You disagree I, with no, that? No, it, it is definitely a largely a, a concert film, but with these even longer interludes of like slow motion. Yeah. There's a lot of you know I think for with like skunk <laughs> How? Oh, for it? <laughs> With the, these drum beats and then... Um, yeah. That's Matt's takeaway. There's yes, just a lot yeah. of drums and then... Uh, I, Is that not true? I like... Man, Matt, if we can get a true. more hand does Fugazi album... Matt, did you... Can I, I ask a question more? Did, can I ask a question? It's like, did you cringe it's like, more for the eighth grade... Interview, or did you cringe more? Didn't bother of, me at all. Didn't of, bother me at all. Of Gee and Ian doing that like dueling run at each other guitar thing. Neither of them really bothered me. Eighth grade interview only bothered you. I thought it was awesome. Made yeah. you so stressed out for some reason. <laughs> I just I'm like, where's it going to go? You're texting while you were watching it. And well, for I also some had reason the thinking that it was, it was like, going to go bad, and like somehow, and I was like, what do you think is going to happen? And also, why would they put it in their movie they are making? Seems like they're putting like, fun at her. You were like waiting. F- that was the other part, too, <laughs> where I was like, you texted that immediately while you're watching it. And I was like, I don't think that's the case at all. Well, hold on. Before it's we like get a to real, that. It's a real gold dress or is it a blue dress situation <laughs> or something? <laughs> Matt doesn't understand that. Uh, before uh, yeah. before we talk about it, you said the slow motion thing. Yeah. So it is. It's like live concert footage. Sometimes the music is queued up to the visuals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not. So that's actually like something I want to come back to maybe because Jeff read the quote from Jim Cohen who said that this is vis- he wants to make it like visually like music or kind of like emulate you know do something where it's akin to the music, which is a funny thing to say or it's an interesting thing to say in light of the fact that like there are all of these like slow motion shots, um, and sometimes they're with the music, sometimes they're not with the music, sometimes they're with like the what would you call these things like these interstitial slice of life kind of scenes, yeah. and sometimes it's just like. It looks like found footage. A lot of it, even even the the a reel or a roll, whatever. Overall, the vibe is like a Fugazi record cover. It doesn't necessarily sound like the music, but it sounds. <laughs> it looks like the Fugazi record covers, where it's like, yeah. why is there a couch on the back of this album cover? Sure. Yes. Like other than to be like, why is there a couch on the back of this album cover? Yeah. Um, Fugazi are always. I will say, made me think. In that more, I was just constantly like, am I supposed to be getting more out of this couch on the back of the cover, or is it just a couch? Right. Are you like, and am I dumb for thinking that should be more? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say, so I, yeah, my broad strokes for it is especially watching it for the first time after watching it a lot when it was on VHS and then losing the VHS at some point and having those moments when I saw it was on DVD where I was like, should I buy this again? And then no, like, why would I need a copy of this at that point in my life on DVD? But I thought, uh, Watching it now, especially through Doc's Till Death lens, it actually didn't feel as kind of uh, amorphous as it felt before. Like it, it, like it did actually. I was surprised at how much info actually does come across as like a history of the band. Like mm-hmm. there were, like it's it's not a clear delineation of like here it goes like this section, this section, this section. But to some extent. 
it it does deliver more of a kind of concise uh, the how the band started, like surprisingly, uh, the viewpoints behind the bands, a little bit more clarity to this kind of uh, uh, band that has become a myth at that point. Uh, and then uh, is a documentation of, to some extent, what the live experience is like. Is a documentation of the kind of classic moments. Like if you were making a, like, uh, the classic hits of Fugazi, volume 24, Guy in a basketball hoop. Like playing out of prison. Um, and... Uh, I think it's the, I mean, it hits it stronger, but the divisions of what also, uh, you know, the Fugazi uh, experience is, is the fans. Uh, To some extent, and something maybe to talk about, I wasn't, if there was a point, like what the point was of it, like it almost felt like we'll get to it, obviously, but the end part was almost like, Look at all these dumbasses Fugazi has to put up with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it felt like it, it shifted. Like, it there's a turn of, like, this is who we have who see us, and this is we are just documenting the faces. We're leaving it on them, and, like, some of them are just kind of skate bros. Some of them are just metalheads who showed up. Like, some of them are, like, you know, nerdy indie rock kids. Some are spazzy indie rock kids. Like, whatever it is. And then there is kind of a turn of, like, you see these turds that also come to Fugazi? We're going to kind of deal with them for a while. Um, so I guess in a weird way, like, it wasn't as much of a, uh art project as I kind of remembered it. Like, it was a little bit more of, like, hidden in there a traditional structure uh, mm. uh, of, give, of delivering information and doing, <laughs> weirdly, because this is where my brain often goes... Uh, the job of, I'm sure they weren't necessarily, they, he mentioned it in that statement. That's like, there's all these myths that's built around them. Let's show kind of the, who they are to some extent, but it's like the humanizing aspect is also like an important part of this. They, they're human beings and they joke around. I do think it's a, it does achieve that. The, the, uh, you know, a big chunk of it is the recording of red medicine, and in a lot of ways, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the closest to a documentation of what it was like any time I've recorded. Like, surprisingly boring. <laughs> Lots of bad jokes that are in jokes yeah. because everyone's lost it. Uh, you're in a surprisingly cold house or a cold studio. <laughs> like, you know, you're just doing it. Uh, so, yeah, I think, like, my broadest stroke, just to, before we really get into it, is not as uh, not as uh, kind of a, a blob of an art film as much as I remembered it as, but uh, still pretty long. Also, I kind of start watching yeah. the watching the clock a little bit as it goes on. He's got a lot of footage. He's gone from eighty six to you know eighty seven to ninety eight. So, um, yeah. Pete, did you just I, cream your jeans the entire time you were watching it? No. <laughs> oh, he just watched it again. Okay, cool. Uh, um, I for for me on this whatever watch this was, you know, I have not watched this in a long time, um, like six months or something. Yeah, I mean, at least, and that's yeah. 
that was when I was in a cycle of watching it daily, and then I stopped. Um, no, I hadn't watched it in a while, and I, I remember when it came out being very excited about it, and then when I saw it, I loved it, because I think it was, I don't know, I at that point I wasn't playing music, and I always wanted to play music, so at that point I had like gone on tour with a band that you know, I liked and that I'd put stuff out for, but like I wasn't playing music. And then Fugazi was this band that I, you didn't love the band that you toured with. And no, I loved the band, but I wasn't playing the shows. I was just, you know, shout out to our whack pack, by the way, (laughs) this guy (laughs) tagging along. Mm -hmm. So I like this when it came out. You were saying, I I like this when it came out. Yes. Uh, Because again, hesitant to say that you loved it. No, no, I loved it. I loved it. When it came out, I loved it. It gave me insight to this band that, I admired uh, and got to see their inner workings. Uh, you know, they eat cereal like we do. But I do think, like, to your Stars point, Stars are Jeff, just like us. To, to <laughs> this, your point, Jeff. This was the original. Stars are just exactly. like us. Thank you, Us Weekly. Oh, he punches some granola? Um, <laughs> so I, do I. <laughs> I. Yeah, it was just, you got Hi. to see how they worked. and And I was surprised at some things, like, that they were... Whosever house that was that they were demoing stuff, I was like, oh, they... Did you like the way they worked it? No, no diggity. diggity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to back it up. <laughs> so I, I think I was enamored with it, and I thought the artistic piece was like... I just liked it uh, overall. But then re-watching it, this time it did feel long. Um, yeah. And I don't know that... You know, I had written this note that it didn't feel to me that this was – it was long and it didn't feel like to me for the casual fan. Like I don't know yeah. that this is a good intro to them if you're not really into them. The the longness is a thing. Like it's like it felt uh, – I don't know. It, it ends up – I think that's its actually biggest fault seeing it now. It's just the length. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really was like, would I uh, have been uh, left with even more of a fondness for it if it didn't feel like I'm kind of struggling towards it? Like at a certain point, it's like going to what you're saying about the this kind of slow down footage. When I would see it kind of starting again, I'd be like, this is going to happen again. <laughs> like I just was like. At a certain point, I was like, it starts to feel like a bridge to more stuff mm-hmm. versus uh, something I want to deal with at that point. Um, I guess ultimately, again, it is like a Fugazi record where it's like, you know, there are a couple of those songs where I'm like, I like it enough, but I don't want to listen to it all the time. I want to get to the next song. I think what's crazy is um, that quote that I think it's Ian at, at some point. It's like middle second half of the movie where he says like um lots of stuff he says like i feel like a lot of it you just gotta chuck up to him being younger like like the the all the things that they say directly to the camera early on are many of the things they say directly to the camera i'm just like i like i it, it kind of like strikes me as like very 90s um like the whole thing actually by the way struck me as very 90 i was like this is because it's something that came out at our time but it is also about us 
to some extent, like, is the one we've watched that's, like, you know, much like it's, like, on the line with the Strife one. But it was just like a Jesus Christ, we're old, and this is so of the time, especially the fans. But sorry, go on. The one thing that struck me in the context of, like, what this movie is and how it kind of proceeds is Ian saying, yeah, like, can we return that favor? He's talking about playing live. Remember that mm-hmm. line? Like, can we, like, we want to see if we can return the favor. Well, just say like he talks about like blowing away the his you know being blown away by bands in the past and wanting that's the favor he'd like to return to just kind of like communicate this sort of like kind of like immediate energy to his fit to to, to the audience. At this, saying that in a movie which feels like it takes many turns to do the opposite, which again makes it makes it so notable that quote that you read jeff that i never heard him from jim cohen saying he wanted to make a movie that looked like the the music mm-hmm. and i'm like how are you being kind of like blown away at these slow scenes and the single note ding like the ring outs you know like that stuff is that's not blowing anyone away right like i mean like what is so i really like what is the purpose again it's it's interesting to look at and everything and i'm i'm, I'm like not I don't think I'm trying to. I'm not saying this is like a like just like a harsh note against the movie. I'm saying this more as like an open question of like, okay, the stated objective is to blow away the crowd. This movie is not set up to blow away the crowd, right? Because another way of coming at this would be the line that you said, Pete, about how like it's not a movie for beginners. Yeah. If you want to fucking blow someone away, you don't need it to be an experienced fan. You know what I mean? Like to blow someone away is to blow someone away. Yeah, I mean, you know, and this movie's not aiming right. at that. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the live stuff, if they kept just that and did, you know, sort of like a straight interview with stories, I think that would probably, for someone who's just getting into Fugazi or to what you're saying of like blowing them away, I think there's definitely like some really great live stuff in here um, that I enjoyed watching. But then there but is do you so think many he's trying to replicate the dynamics. Like with the slow motion, the dynamics of Fugazi, the, dyma- the dynamics that they play in, like the quiet moments that lead into the loud moments. And like if you're doing that visually, I think that's one way to do it. Like I, I would guess that's what he was going for. So it's like, yeah. yes, you're because mm. I do think they are a dynamic. Band well, that's that the way, thing. Right? Like, like I like, think the biggest yeah. takeaway that you that I had rewatching it as in and. and you know, you were half joking over text that's like, I'm going to kind of skip over some of this music stuff. <laughs> like, I'm just going to get to the actual documentary. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that because some of it you're just like, well, this is a documentation of a time. Like, it's great. I could get a sample of this. It's just showing me one little element. But then, like, the main footage, which I think is the ultimate, like, the main concert, that color footage, I think is, you know, a remarkable version of Fugazi and is also one of those things where I was like watching it and I was like even if you don't like them you have to be impressed with how fucking tight they are that's like the Washington footage right Spokane or something yeah, I believe so yeah it's like an, it seems like yeah. in a theater or something like a small theater or something yeah like in the right. tightness of the stops and the tightness yeah. of the quiet yeah. into the loud and the kind of in-betweens even though I do find it kind of charming that on the, you know, whatever the fuck that song is, like, I burn a fire so I stay cool. Mm-hmm. That, like, 
I think the first time that Ian like comes in, he like totally hits like totally fucked up weird chords, <laughs> yeah, not does. in a good way. <laughs> like, and it's just like, and you're like, okay, everything else is going to show me how tight you are. But I guess that's also cool because they, they're, they're, they, they, they're both, t- they're tight in a natural way. They're tight in the way that I think we kind of gravitated towards. I think it was enviable, the live footage. Like, I think it showed the... And I do think that's where the imagery is kind of coming from. I think that's the element maybe he's trying to represent uh, visually. Yeah. Uh, it is it is hard to not... It, it, it walks a fine line between uh, pretty cool experimental documentary footage and, hey, guys, let's bring a, a camera on tour. Let's bring fifty. Let's bring fifty on cameras okay. on tour, and then let's watch it immediately because we're just psyched about the footage we got. Um, yeah, uh, there's something in the. I, I think it's, it's right, like that. This sort of like the different pacing kind of mimics the this the uh, quiet, loud dynamic in Fugazi's music. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. This is just this is just kind of like a personal taste statement and it's not even like kind of an evaluative judgment of the movie but there's part of the way it does that which makes me less interested in like i'm less interested in fugazi watching this movie than i am um in listening to them right because with the music the the quiet parts are always in the service of the song you know and it feels like the quiet part is has a payout or payoff um, and it doesn't always feel like that layering. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like the. It's not that Jim Cohn isn't a master of what he's doing, but like it. It doesn't have the propulsiveness of the music, and it sometimes seems to because he doesn't play full because the movie doesn't do full songs for the most part. It sometimes for me feels like it's taking away the propulsiveness. Mm-hmm. Like one example of it would be like the end scene, um, the last thing. Like the movie ends. Like you're talking about this band that has like this import people that has this powerful presence but then the last whole thing it it kind of movie teeters out right like because like the end of the movie is like the ding like it's it's like the chiming and all the like it's a quiet part Mm -hmm. you know like there's no singing it's like and what's what's really weird about it is for me now weird's not the wrong word i keep saying it but it's like like it's real slow music and then it keeps doing these like dissolves and it comes back and it's like a picture of like the like a drum set with a flower on it. You know, it's kind of like a pretty picturesque little snapshot. Then it dissolves and then it comes up and, you know, there's movement. But there's like this – there's a couple – it does it does like a kind of like a shot of – I think it's Ian's back and then there's like the compl- the crowd is completely still and there's one guy – in the in the in the foreground of the crowd, who is more still than everybody else, he's almost like a statue, taller, kind of like gawky looking, almost looks like a, you know the Munster father, like without the makeup <laughs> right. on. And then it does other dissolve. Fred Gwynn, and it by comes, the way. Fred Gwynn, thank you. Yeah, the judge in uh, uh, my cousin yes. Vinny. And then it comes back, and the music that we're hearing is still the same. Ding, mm-hmm. ding. But something had happened in the music of the footage that's in this concert where Ian's now moving, the crowd's getting into it, but that one guy is still standing completely still. 
Right. And I'm like, what is, what are we, and then like, then it dissolves again and it comes back and Guy's on the floor, Ian's on the floor rolling around, thrashing about, but the music is still ding, <laughs> ding, and then it cuts to instrument. Right. You know, like at the end, and it's like, what, what does that, ca- like, what is that disjunction between the music that we're hearing and the visuals? Like, what is that doing? Because that's not, I, I don't hear that in Fugazi all that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it felt like, it felt, at that point, so another way of saying is, at sometimes I was like, are they embarrassed of their loud parts here? Like, is there some way, like, is there like an artistic undersell, not embarrassed, but is there an artistic, and for what reason, underselling of that they are a hard rock band? Yeah. You know, and it felt like some of those scenes were like trying to make them out to be something different. I don't know. that, that And so like, I agree. I, I also now I'm thinking does, and it might even it's might be my problem. Um, I'm wondering if those sections fall into that category that can sometimes frustrate me. Where it might have even happened in this. Like, did, is there a section where Ian's talking about like we don't include our lyrics because this or this? Am I wrong on that? Uh, do they include their lyrics? Just- they do, don't they? talking about he says they include the lyrics but like oh, he doesn't explain they don't have to them. explain them because they're yes another 90s thing they say is always that like open to interpretation like that whole thing is like so nice i think that's a, there's a there's sometimes an element of the either don't include the lyrics because we don't just want to hand them to make up what you think we're saying or we don't want to just tell you what they're about falls in that category of uh I think what you're talking about with this and what I would also just kind of dub like kind of like art movies and the art on Fugazi records that like even when I really liked Fugazi, I still would have moments of being like, is this just like a bunch of pictures? Like, and I know that's what art is, but it's just like... Or is there some greater, like, would you give me a bullshit answer of, like, no, no, this represents, like, this or this or this, where, especially their later records, there's a little bit, like, I'd feel like I'd be like, no, I think it's just, like, a bunch of stuff. Like you said, it's just like a couch. I sometimes worry that it's, like, I'm just, like, I feel like you're bullshitting me that this is, like, not as deep as you are making it seem. And I'm not even saying about Fugazi instrument per se like it's like I, no, but that can the standard apply. is so much higher for fugazi i think that's like the, the positive way to say it is the standard is so high right. because of what they what what they you know represent and what they say and their seriousness right you know so when you get these parts that it's hard to figure out like i mean it is it's, it's like an interpretive question like are these things what does this mean but then there is a there is room to question the, does this really mean anything right you know, and if it doesn't, why is it two hours? Right. Um, not the whole thing, just like these, like these slow motion pieces. But yeah, so I think, like, I think if there is meaning to be interpreted, sometimes it's uh, it's a little opaque. More so, it seems to run counter to what the music actually presents. If you close your eyes and listen to that music, like someone said it in one of the documentaries we watched, I believe that like Fugazi is essentially an arena rock band. Mm-hmm. You know, like the loud, quiet mm-hmm. parts and all this stuff. It's like, and 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 the choruses and 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 the, like the, the tension release. It all works and it works really well. 
they act, but they actually play into the ethos of the band where they're like an arena rock band that doesn't want to be an arena rock band. Mm-hmm. Here's also the I just have a maybe either a question connected to that or an offshoot of that. Pete, how does that make you feel hearing mm. Matt say Fugazi is an arena rock band that doesn't want to be? I've never really I it's never crossed my mind to think of them in that way. So it doesn't really resonate with me. Um Arena, what do you, you see be, when you see this like those like that like end scene for example like this that fade like the way in which it's like it's like Meep. just going for like two minutes of like I... of these of uh, yeah like like of the of the kind of like dissolves kind of comeback you know dissolve, what I, you know? I think it worked for me when it was like the start of the the doc when when there's like these artistic pieces. It worked for me. It works less when I'm on like minute, you know, ninety-seven of these things, where it's like this is too long. It is a little bit. Hour and a half is where I marked myself. I found it in my notes that I was like, I'm getting a little tired. Yeah, you know, I think that as we talk, I, I didn't really think about it, but it is a bit surprising. You know, I think the footage was eighty-seven to ninety-eight. How long this is, but how little. For that much footage, however much they had, there's so much of these like long drawn out scenes that felt like they could be consolidated. Like the all the pictures yeah. of the people in the crowd is just so long with this like meandering soundtrack behind it. Um, you know, I was. Do you interested like in, the instrument soundtrack? I don't know. I never bought that one. Yeah, uh, I did try to listen to it after you know when we did this, and it was like there's like. One song that was interesting. Um, <laughs> is that the piano song? Is that Ian piano song yeah, that's on, on that, that, or is it on something else? Um, yeah. And then there's like demos for Red Medicine. Red Medicine, what is or was the album for me that was the hardest to get into? But uh, yeah, I guess it's surprising to have however much footage for that many years. And I don't know what it, you know, what he was covering, but to have this long, drawn out movie. Right. feels a little bit, you know, now watching it, kind of like, they could have done so much more. Sure. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like the, I mean, like, I just keep coming back to the line that Jeff said earlier, like, it, the ways in which Jeff said it emulates the music, you know, the kind of like, you know, change of paces and things like that, that makes a lot of sense. But overall, the music feels like it never stops driving. And there are times when this movie just feels like, it's lulling you in ways. It's pretty. It's you know. It's it's all pretty. If it's like, representing the music, it might lean, especially with the length. It might lean more towards the quiet parts. Yeah, which is denying yeah, the fact that. that even in the later records, there's a surprising amount of, uh, if they're not loud parts, that they're like dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dynamic it's, it's always, pulling yeah. from other genre, etc. Uh, whatever it is, right. but maybe that's part, maybe that's the thing is if it if it represents the music, it might actually represent percentage wise, not what is the full Fugazi picture, the full Fugazi right. musical scope. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's what I think that's what turned me off when I first saw it. You know, um, I'm just not that patient. Yeah, you're um, not a patient boy. You just keep waiting and, and waiting. waiting and waiting. Uh, <laughs> can we say 
a couple. We I think to get to some sections of this, some little bits to touch upon. We kind of mentioned it, but we should uh, the so the school interview. So I, the, they got interviewed for a junior high or high school TV show. Not it. Why, <laughs> Pete? Did you think that? Uh, oh, good, good question. But not it. And Ian were making fun of I the didn't, kid. I didn't really wholeheartedly think they made fun of her. It, ju- it just was like. I don't know. You sounded pretty convinced in your text message to me. <laughs> hey, yeah. you're reading. You're you're putting uh, feelings that weren't there in the text. I, I mean, I think may, I think there was a little bit of like this is a a little bit cringy. This whole interview, and and is that why it's in there? No, I don't know that it was. If that's why it was in there, I mean, I think when it was you think about the interviews that they put in there, there's that one, and then there's that woman uh, who's like, it's not what you're buying. It's what you're selling. It's what you're selling. It's like, That's amazing that she got the <laughs> thesis of Fugazi <laughs> <Yes>. wrong unintentionally. <laughs> Truly a beautiful piece of the movie. Like both like of those. <laughs> like that one clearly is like, you know, poking fun at just how ridiculous it all is. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the, the high school one is, or middle school is, you know, a little bit on the same lines, I would think. It's just like they don't. They sort of take themselves very seriously, but maybe not. Sure. That was my takeaway. But it also As felt we, like, you know, it's cringeworthy to watch. You know, it's like when you go back and see videos of yourself when you were younger, it's like, yeah. But do you think Ian would be cringing at it? He probably doesn't cringe at anything in life. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't <laughs> cringe at anything. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's got to be. Was it just to show you that they were like decent dudes? Like they're, you know, like playing. I think it was to show that they do everything. Yeah. That, that, that like Fugazi literally do everything. They would do a correctional center, uh, even though they still are clearly stressed about it. It's the one show Guy wears a hat. (laughs) Like it's like over his eyes. He was giving out free CDs. Was giving out free CDs. Wasn't as slinky as he usually is. Uh, (laughs) He's ready to fight. Yeah, it's just protecting. They didn't play. It. They did not play Tin Can. I will say that they said that's where the buck stopped. Did you ask? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Did they say no? They did say no. He got he got like like five handwritten <laughs> letters with perfume on them. From <laughs> I did get a voicemail. You must follow a series of clues <laughs> to find out if we yeah. will play Tin Can. The answer <laughs> is no. Six, <laughs> Six, I have guesses. six guesses. Will we play? Matt, are you behind this? Are you managing Fugazi now? <laughs> Did they give you a reason why they couldn't? It was probably it's Funko. It it? Funko. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably one. They said they don't try not to do a lot of benefits outside of DC. I think also maybe they weren't on tour. Sounds like a bullshit. Yeah, I'm answer. sure it's also that they <laughs> were just like, eh, thanks, but no thanks. We don't do a lot of benefits outside of DC. Why? Like, there's just no logic to that. Got to make some, some right, dough. Got speed. Yeah, do you got to make some dough. Joe Lyle's like, come on, guys. They're probably like, oh, you're putting on this, this weekend of sh- uh, weekend of show that has like 27 bands. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get that. I think, uh, I also think a big chunk of this was to, sh- like we said before, this movie was to show that they are fun. Yes. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Like that they, you know. They get stuck in tired jokes, like you know, you're the 
you know, Guy Lombardo of Calypso music, like, section. Like, that was clearly, like, an inside joke every band has. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there was a lot of footage to show. Uh, and I don't think it was... I mean, do we think the purpose was to show that it's not glamorous at all for them? Yeah, that I, it's just, I do or think that was just, part of it. Right. You know, it was like... I mean, I don't think anyone assumed, though, that it was glamorous for them. That's, like, part of the whole story that people knew going in, right? Like, that But they're... who? That's the big thing. I mean, because it connects to the fact that they show, we said it before, a big chunk of this was uh, fans. And, you know, the bigger you get, honestly, the less fans who, as you said, like, everybody knows that that's her deal. Like, you know, like pretty early on, I wrote, like, I was amazed. At, like, I guess I do remember from even in high school, but like how many dirts were like into Fugazi? Dirt. Like, like whatever you want to call them, like metalheads, dirts. dirts. Uh, like, but like there were a surprising amount. Like, and I do remember that was a thing. Like, it's a carryover. Uh, but like, you know, the straight yeah. metalheads, the dirtbags liked dirts. Fugazi in my high school. It is surprising, uh, like, when you see the... Because they're in Arena Rock. Because they're in Arena Rock, but yeah. It's surprising when you see the crowds and, like, the... Just, like, some of the belligerents and people just, like, moshing or whatever is happening to music that is not really as hard as they're going. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not there to... I mean. I, th- I think it's just they come in there with an expectation. Yeah. The dirt. Which is a thing. Um, I mean, they you, talk about it in that, like, you know, they talk to at least one guy. Uh, talk, yeah. But before yeah. we get to that, we should talk all about all those guys. But I just want to stay on for a second. The thing you mentioned, Jeff, which was like, yeah, the question you asked about, like, is it for, like, to show that they're fun guys? Mm-hmm. And just, like, what what are they trying to project about themselves as individuals here? Right. Which re- reminded me of, actually, the, the first little interlude, whatever you would call them, the first little non-musical bit that shows up in the entire movie, which is it starts with someone. I don't know who it's not. I don't, I think it might be Ian. Yeah, it is Ian. Um, speaking off camera, but then it cuts to him, but it doesn't, it's never actually footage of him saying this. Um, but the question is him. Or the, the issue is he's addressing is if you don't say anything about who you are, people will tell you who you are, or say that you are a certain way. But then if you do... If you don't um, say anything, people put that shit on you. Yeah. And if you do try to steer, he uses the words... I just wrote down a couple of key words. If you try to steer it, people then think that you're doing propaganda. He used that word specifically. Or manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I just thought about that. Like, and how nice... Like, I mean, that seems to be so much of, like, what is driving this movie, you know? But at the same time, it's like... It feels very ni- it feels very 90s, this idea of, a, like, if you try to assert your own point of view, that is somehow manipulation, right? This right. idea that, like, y- as a band, you want to present, like, an objective impression of yourself rather than a subjective impression of who you are, right? Like, this idea of, like, producing a, vi- a vi- like, this is how we see ourselves. This is how we want to s- you to see us. Like, that's not propaganda. That's self-articulation. You know, right. but in the '90s way of thinking about things, if you come out too strong, it reads as marketing. It reads as like kind of manipulative, right? Like there was that moment, like in the '90s, where like 
you couldn't be assertive. You had to kind of like, like independent culture was about being indirect. Right. right? Do, do you guys like recognize this? Yeah, I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? yeah. Like but I also think culture. though they're like in this world of trying to, to stick to their punk ethos. And, but right. they're like so much bigger than that. So I, I'm at, yeah. and I feel like this scene is obsessed with who's selling out. Um, so I, th- I imagine th- that some of it is like towing that line of not making sure that you're sticking to your guns and that you have this image. What's the image you're talking about there? Sticking to your guns and then maintaining an image of of, of these sort of guidelines that whether it's Ian or all of them of you know not right. playing, pl- always playing all ages shows, playing shows that are affordable that anybody can go to. Um, right. Yeah. Which but is a weird, be manipulative, right? But so, that's a weird thing is like, it's they, in a weird way, like he says, like the, it's manipulative to be aggressive with what you are like sort of thing. Is that what he's saying? He's saying, if you try to steer your, how people perceive you. Yep. Right. Then you're going to be accused of being manipulative or producing propaganda. Right. And it's like, in that sense, propaganda doesn't really fit in because it doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense. But manipulation does. But there's nothing wrong with that kind of manipulation. Like in steering people and how you want to be seen, it's like you're entitled to to assert yourself in these ways. Like in what way is that a bad thing? If you're like, no, we charge five bucks for a ticket. Like, And he's clearly not has no problem in doing that version mm-hmm. of it. Like saying what their values are. And that's like totally commendable. I don't, I don't see, I mean, I think it's like, I think that's I think the thing. The battle, is this, it's that punk thing of like, he's clearly got a rule. He's got rules in his head of what is steering mm-hmm. and what isn't steering. Yeah. Like, what is this? And what is that? Because yeah. there is no getting around that. The, uh, even as, uh, someone who was, uh, a hundred percent punk and hardcore fan, like the ethos of Fugazi superseded Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I didn't, I bought a bootleg tape of a live show partly cause I wanted to hear Fugazi live cause I hadn't seen them, but I also wanted a fucking Ian yelling at the crowd speech. <laughs> like, you know, like there, there's nothing more there, It's actually, I get what they were doing, but there is a weirdness to the whole, like, to have that kind of viewpoint, but then also be constantly calling out the, like, we don't want moshing. It's just not going to happen. Well, they don't see that. I imagine imagine the answer here would be, like, they don't see that stuff as part of a potential marketing ploy. That's just who they are. But if they try to, But at some point, they must have if that woman even kind of brings it up. Like she's just like exactly, you know. but that's where it gets complicated, right? Because on one hand, the one complication is they don't understand that, like, or they don't they don't see how the like they're in the market. Like when Ian later says, like, oh, when Ian says, like a little while later, like we have nothing but con- or I have nothing but contempt for the record industry. Right. So we started our own label. You know, it's like that's not not doing a record label that's just doing a record label on different Mm -hmm. terms and you're entitled to do that but it's not not doing a record label right i understand what you mean when you say you're not part of the record industry but you're not entirely escaping the dynamic right 
right? In the same way that, like, if you go out there and you assert your values, that is going to be taken in the larger context of the record business as your market niche. Oh, you're the band that charges $5 for tickets. You're the band that only charges $8 for records. You're the band that has this no moshing rule. That becomes like the byline on the spin article, the, 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 what this woman can point to as saying, this is what this band's about. Well, like, which is the thing. Also, who- that's the weird part is I would imagine this is why we will not get Fugazi reuniting is that you can't, there's a certain level where you can't manipulate the end result. Like, uh, and it's also partly why also the, in, to some extent, the rules of, Fugazi are unicorn rules. You know, they only can exist for that yeah. band in that specific time. Because even for Fugazi, like, cool, you're not going to talk to the press, like, except for, like, that's partly why they also showed the kid interview. It's showing, like, yeah, we'll talk to the press. We'll talk yeah. to this person. Right. That's not going to change that I still read about Fugazi in Rolling Stone that my dad gave me. Like, that was one of the first places I read about Fugazi. And them talking about the $5 tickets. So they, in, in a certain point, okay, Rolling Stone's going to want to talk about you because Eddie Vedder has talked about you. And, and I don't have the right answer still after all these years of do you go the, uh, uh, the route of Fugazi, probably more the route of Fugazi in my mind, of just like, you know, well, we'll just control by just not talking, but there's still the narrative's going to be in their hand. And the narrative is what you're saying is going to be fed to them by these rules that you've established. Because honestly, it's a little bit sexier to write about that. And that's basically a press release versus, and uh, they use dub elements and blah, blah, blah. It must have just been exhausting too on their end. Like you can only do the don't mosh speech so many times because yeah. you're, it's, it's, uh, and also, especially if you're a band coming out of like, God, we dealt with skinheads. We dealt with this when we were younger. Like, we've already dealt with this, like, you know, getting bit too big. Uh, and then you kind of just can't control the medium anymore. I would imagine, yeah. uh, I don't know him, obviously, but I would imagine Ian Mackay is more comfortable doing even shows, doing equivalent of that. Because you can control the, the situation a little bit more. Like it's it, at a certain point, it's just out of your control. Like it's it, it starts to get too much into those arguments where like, you know, you're looking at a band, you're coming at it from way too much of like even like an old punk version. You'll be like, why is this band selling this shirt at this show for like thirty bucks? And you're like, right. well, I don't know how to explain to you if you don't understand that they're playing a bigger venue and the bigger venue is taking a cut of their fucking merch. And that also there's a manager, and I'm sorry, that's just how it works. And then slowly, it's or they have to match the price of the band they're opening with and this or that, like because they're not playing with the unicorn that is Fugazi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I would just imagine it's exhausting. But it is a weird in-between where they're like trying to control it, but the their control becomes the, the message. They're, that's on one side. So their control becomes the, the – their control – becomes the ways in which they're willing to control become their marketing like they become how they're marketed right you know whether they want that to be just ha- their ethos like their ethos is picked up by the larger music industry as um as a couple bullet points to talk about right 
But then there's this other thing that's going on here in this in this quote where Ian says steering is the manipulation, right? So it's almost like the, the issue that you're talking that you've been talking about is that um, steering is manipulated, like their attempt to steer their career and how they're how they exist as a band is then manipulated and turned into a marketing category, you know, marketing kind of, you know, presser yes. or whatever. But what he's saying here is we don't like, we actually, and it's, it's, it's important that it's at the beginning of the movie. We don't want to steer because when we steer, we're not, we're manipulating or doing propaganda. We're filling in something that the other person, that the viewer or the listener sh- should have the right to, Produced for themselves. There's some element of the reception that's being filled in if we steer too much. And I think it's interesting in the movie because, I mean, in a certain way, it's like kind of like a, a way to think about what you're about to see. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's almost like he, the movie is addressing some anxiety about filling in too much, making things too concrete. Yeah. And it kind of goes a long way towards explaining like the experimental, um, uh, quote-unquote experimental structure of the thing or the obtuseness of it because it's like if we're just too on the nose all the time then it becomes propaganda but i actually don't but then i i don't i don't get i don't personally i don't believe that like um because i think as an artist tell the message you want to tell if the message you want to tell is an obtuse message that's the message you're selling you're not like you're not giving anyone any space you got to communicate the thing well or you don't communicate it you know it's out of your hands it's, it's, once you do it it's out of and, your hands. and, it's, and to but, me it connects to i remember and he was right when he said it and this is before i was really into pump i remember my dad once saying about white zombie he was like man that's a band who really knew how to market themselves huh and I was like, what are you right. talking about? La Exorcistos, the best. And mm. obviously I was like, no. Like Rob Zombie knows exactly what he's doing. Like he's like he 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 figured a way to manipulate whatever he does uh, and kind of market it. But it goes into I don't know, in some ways like uh, it's this. It, it is. It's the sadness of to me the world we live in. It, but it's just the reality of it. Of it, everything is marketing. Like it just exists as that. Like you can't it, get it, away it, from it's it. It's going to be marketed. Yes, but but because not only is it going to be marketed by marketers, but we have all been bred, including myself and including all of us, to like. Look at the world in that way, like to like it's just like kind of ingrained, like and it's a different percentage for different people. But I do think there's just like it's it's a denial of somewhat of just the truth of uh, to what to to to, to not that think you it's can't escape that you can't that you can escape it a hundred percent. Yeah, you well, there's an you idealism can you can it? work towards, but I feel like there's sometimes a language in what you're saying of how they're talking that's like we can escape it. A hundred percent, and it's just like I don't think well, so. Well, it's like we we can escape it if we if we are up to if, if like if we don't put our if our, we don't put our views too far forward, then people can't accuse us of being marketing or propagandizing to them. But I would say no. If you don't put your beliefs forward, you're not putting your if you're not steering people, you just have a shitty ship. Right. You know because like. And I don't think they actually 
don't steer well because like later in the video ian talks about like other people have really are really talented in selling mm-hmm. selling things like they're not there's artists. An art in making right. money. It's amazing, but it has nothing to do with money. something I constantly need to remind myself has, of. <laughs> but it has nothing. Yeah, that's the line, right? Because what he's focusing on there is that they are singularly focused on making the music. So many bands will try to say, "I don't want to say something like what Ian said at the beginning, which is, I don't want to steer you because when I steer you, it's like very grungy, right? Like in like as a genre, like I don't want to like tell you what and like I mean, I remember like a quote of Eddie Vedder being like, "I don't want to tell you what the lyrics are about because then you can't experience it for yourself." It's like no, if you actually produce a good song with strong lyrics, that's going to give someone the opportunity to experience it all the more right. fully, right? Because it's a thing that you're presenting to them. It's not some fucking half full vessel, you know, and saying, do with this what you want. Um, so although Ian Mackay says... Without Eddie Vedder of- giving those explanations, that's how I end up at a school function where someone is doing a karaoke <laughs> version of Jeremy. It doesn't seem to understand the irony of that strange situation they have put all they of us into. They never yeah. seen the video. Yeah. They, they had never know. seen the video that maybe spelled out a little bit of what Eddie Vedder was telling us. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he could have done it a little better. Yes. That's what I'm saying yeah. there. But because it, it fits in that but, thing I was talking about with the art before and with the, the art of just – it's like the fine line between I'm leaving it open as interpretation, artistic version versus – uh, I, it, maybe it's just not as deep as you're actually acting or just tell us what you haven't yeah. articulated your vision right. clearly right like like i would love a gem not, cohen commentary honestly to this to just be like tell me what you're doing in this like mm-hmm. let me know but ian says that very 90s thing but the reality of the band isn't that very 90s thing like i'm saying this in a positive way like they actually are much clearer in their purpose as a band than that, like, oh, no, we just leave the meaning up to you. Like, you never get the impression with Fugazi, Fugazi that, like... <laughs> we, I can't believe yeah, like, we've gone this long without a classic Matt Morahan pronunciation of Fugazi. 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 Yeah. <laughs> when you don't ever believe through their music that they are afraid to say what they believe. Right. You know, or, like, go all the way down the line. It's only in this notion that, like, in making a video... That's like can be perceived as like a marketing device when we have to worry about manipulating people. But if the if the video is just as much a part of like your art as the music is, you don't have to give these fucking caveats. Yeah. You know what I mean? People like but the last thing I'll because say is Because without that, like, then you've got it doesn't matter what you're buying, but what you're selling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 Or for young and Jeff, I, but and I, I've said it before, like it, that's my bag at the time, but like I would have liked to have known Cassavetes, who the fuck that was, when I'm listening to this song about Cassavetes. I didn't realize right. until years, years after, I was like, oh, you're singing about John Cassavetes? And still, I'm like, why? <laughs> why? And why, yeah. Justice Brennan? What am I missing? I'm dumb. I'm young right. at right. this point, too. Yeah. So I have, one, I have two other things I want to ask about. One is real close in the beginning. Um, it's it's right after Ian does this thing that we spend a lot of time talking about. It's it's Guy talking about hardcore, and he says like hardcore. He's a, he's like not into like they're not a hardcore band any, like they're not a hardcore band because hardcore becomes has become ritualized and not dangerous, um, which is funny mm-hmm. you know in a certain way because um, it's just like what he means by dangerous is not like you know um, 
physical danger because hardcore is way more physically mm-hmm. dangerous than a Fugazi show. Um, but he says it's also become very traditional. Hardcore has. And these are all reasons for why he's not in it. And he says it's not a life thing anymore. Um, and it has to have a time thing um, to be a life thing. Like these are just like the empty things. But what did you guys like? Can I mean, was there anything again? to talk about there? You said that again. He says, he says, after he says that hardcore is just ritualized, no longer dangerous and traditional. Right? Those are the, the, those are the more concrete things he says. He then, then says, it's not a life thing. In order for it to be a life thing, it has to have time. Or be a time thing also. So that second part is really... Wishy? Like, what yeah. What the hell actually um, saying? Life means something vital and living. Um, and that ritual and repeated actions for him are the opposite of a living thing. Right. You know, once you start to do things in a pattern, you're no longer doing them. I think someone would, some might argue that it's actually through the act of ritualization and, you know, and producing traditions that life becomes something more than just like an an organism. It becomes a culture. So that's, that surprised me, right? Like the idea, like we're watching this, like, I mean, Fugazi, like you mentioned, it it tied back into the unicorn statement. Like Fugazi is a unicorn. Um, The take on hardcore here struck me as like completely backwards. Um, In the sense that like, what would it look like? Could you even imagine a world where like every hardcore band, I mean, this gets back to the thing you said earlier, Jeff, about like bands that take Fugazi as an influence mm-hmm. are usually um, pretty bad. It's like, what if every hardcore band or everybody who's a hardcore kid took this line of thinking, oh, I don't want to do hardcore anymore because it's just become kind of like ritualized and uh, because there's a tradition associated with it. Like, what would that look like? And is it a desirable thing? No, it's not. I mean, one, I don't know. I, I just think stage dives make me feel more alive than coded messages and slowed down songs. Uh, that's just my feelings on hardcore. That's a, gun, that's a gunshot, uh, Phil, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really believe any of that, actually, Sim. Uh, <laughs> but I never stage dive. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think at this point, I don't know. To some extent, even that statement feels as traditional as hardcore seems to be to geek. Like, it's just like, okay, cool. Like, that's the, like, I've graduated college statement. Like, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that to me, it's just like, that's just as ritualized uh, as, uh, and and, uh, also after seeing so many hardcore docs like it's just a variation on the like it's a more poetic right. version of just like man hardcore just ain't the same it died when right. i decided it died like mm-hmm. and now it's this new thing where we can uh you know be heavy sometimes and have a dub baseline like i i think it's just it feels um it feels connected to, I think, the thing we talked about in Salad Days that I feel where, like, my biggest problem with Revolution Summer is it feels too reactive. And, like, it's a transition, all transition bands. So it's just, like, it's it's just, like, a reaction to... It's just as silly as... Uh, not silly. It's just as absurd in the fun way that I think all hardcore is, where it's absurd and I love it and I can make fun of it, too. It's just as absurd as... 
15-year-old kids in youth crew bands talking about being stabbed in the back and, like, back in the day, it was so much better. And you're just like, six months ago? Maybe we all should just chill out. Like, you can just kind of listen to some hardcore bands sometimes. And you don't have to make these grand, like, statements about, like, I'm done with this. Or this is a new form. We're taking it back. We're doing this. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It's going to keep going. Like, hardcore will always exist, and you don't have to like... Like, I, I, I say that as we constantly are making jokes about bucket hats. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, I don't know. It feels like just par for course for, like, it's, we all say that statement. Old yeah, people. old people. Yeah. And granted, they were. I was looking. I mean, there were 31. He was 31 when In on the Kill Taker came out. Like, I always felt like they were old. I was like, oh, they were older. Um, yeah, they were older. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it feels a little old man. Watching it, I don't think that that struck me uh, mm. until right now. I mean, I think probably part of it is like the aura of them. And so I'm just like fully engaged in, in my Fugazi headness and that I'm – Yeah. So I don't I don't think I, I really read into it. But now thinking about that and then also, you know, I wonder when he said this in this – in terms of like – you know, when you look at – so Red Red Medicine's 95. This documentary comes out in 90 – you know, the last footage is 98. They're done by 2001. So, like, maybe they, they are starting to sort of break apart a little bit. Um, and at this point, they're – they've got – you know, this is, I think, the fifth album for them. Um, they're touring probably full-time and not living sort of a – you know, I mean, I, probably not an easy life of... No. I don't know how... They were probably touring a lot. Um, and All seem you know, exhausted. Staying at shitty places. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they're like driving that hotel, like that U-Haul. That hotel, I'm sure when I watched it, I'd be like, must be nice. Staying at a hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah, and right, then you're like, yes. that's the shittiest hotel. I've been to that hotel. <laughs> and they're having yeah, that like, conversation about playing, playing Alaska. And that one guy who is like, I don't know, either a roadie or whatever, is like... When Ian's like, they're going to be 500 bucks to get each of us to get tickets to Alaska. And he's like, so we're basically paying for that. And he's like, no, we are paying for that. Like, the look on their faces is like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would be... I would love to know sort of the inner workings of them as a band. Sort of what you were saying, Matt, is like, is it Ian driving it? Are they all on board? You know, and how long they must have all been on board when it started. So, when you read that, like that's something I didn't pick up on either, Pete. When you when you heard the, that quote about hardcore, you know, being too ritualized and too traditional, your question is when was that said? As if like it might be late in the the, the, the day for uh, the band, right. because it might it, it might not just be disillusionment with or a ready to already or um a distancing from hardcore but a distancing from the world that fugazi mm-hmm. inhabits also which is like an extension of it because like when i read that i was thinking this is a dividing line between what the rights of spring for him mm-hmm. and then and and then but you're seeing it it might be a tail end uh quote like it might be something towards the end of the band right that's what yeah, you're saying yeah, yeah. yes yeah, yeah that could be a quote yeah, I mean, um, could be a quote when they're playing like, to a bunch of dirt at like a 5,000 right. person show or whatever it is versus the basement show that Pete is so adamantly defending they needed to take their fucking shirts off at. So uh, hot. Yeah, so it's hot. so hot. 
so there it's like the question is if it's in the if it's early in the career it's uh it's it's a distancing from from like the early discord sound and like even even like the you know the um revolution summer kind of stuff but if it comes late in the if that quotes like from a later time it's almost like an indictment of fugazi as well like in the in the, in the role they play it's like it's interesting um i guess we got nothing else to, you know we won't know that i just no. I, also yeah. just, I just i think like the idea that like tradition is bad or or retrograde right it makes sense in a certain way but we're not living in the time of the scarlet letter you know what i mean like we're living in a time when like everything is allowable you know you can do it everything you want everyone's supposed to be like pursuing their individual freedoms you know like i don't have to wear a mask because you can't tell me what to do and everything like that and i'm like Maybe we need a little bit more fucking tradition and ritual, you know, like, but the kind that we want, you know, I'm not saying like go back to like other rituals in a certain way. Like I appreciate punk ritual, you know, like I appreciate like the rituals of going to a show of being a young person going to a show and then being an older person and all of these steps that people go to because, and even I appreciate like the, the millions of varieties on uh, of discharge style bands the same way i appreciate like black metal bands for their subtle differences because they're all variations of a theme and the variations of a theme aren't variations on a theme about like like oh let's just make something new and different it's like no 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 we've already decided new sucks we have enough <laughs> stuff out there let's go ahead and refine and work in our area of expertise. And I think that is something commendable. I, I just don't... It's a little bit of I a weird see- old man statement. It's like, it's like it yeah. all sounds the same to me. And it's just like... Uh, good, yeah. good, as it like, should. If right? you're playing like, in genre, you find yeah, you find like, yeah, a lot of grindcore sounds the same. But the awesome, Until the you awesome grindcore has that extra right. element that's playing in the genre. Like right. and, and, and that was and the parts it. of Fugazi that could sometimes get tiring was not in like a fuck I wanna fucking mosh to these guys, but I'd be like, I don't know, like stop dicking around at this part, maybe. Like music. But in a certain way that's also how they're a unicorn, right? right? Like I like you know, like it's it, it, it can cut both ways. On one hand, you want that like it's it's it is it's challenging but also bordering sometimes on on boring. Yeah. But 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 it, the Hi. challenging part always Always wins yeah. for Fugazi. Maybe last licks before we go into our rating. Um, can we just talk about the scene towards the end where the it's throughout the movie there have been little intercuts of shots of fans, but it's only towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. that they actually talk to the fans. Mm-hmm. And in that one scene, is that where's that show? Is that Alaska? Is that show or no, where's that? Be the Alaska where, is show. That, Spokane or something. It's it's it seems somewhat, somewhat rural. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. But not and you brought this to attention earlier. It's not only the only time they talk to people. Most of the people aren't particularly enthusiastic about right. the band. You got the girl who Jeff can give a good impression. Who's given the give us a taste, Jeff? It's not like I know all their stuff. It's just like I mean, I've heard like some songs, but like I don't know. If I, I mean, I don't own their, any of their records, but like I mean, I'm here, okay. She's she's so insecure yeah. about being asked to like yeah. this band. It's like it, it's painful. Um, <laughs> all of the, the all of the t- all of the crowd stuff made me feel the most like an old man because I was like they're the exact age we were 
when this was happening. Right. But now I yeah. fee- I get it for all of them because it's basically a section of like, let's ask the inarticulate teenager <laughs> how to yeah. like their feet, their deep feelings. And then we'll also pepper in one older NPR lady. <laughs> <laughs> with her baby, that was so her fucking baby weird. In a rainbow macrame oh, I beret. About her. <laughs> yeah. I think there was yeah. a few people who were somewhat articulate. Like there was, uh, there were two. Yes, girls I know. I was painting about... with a broad brush okay, for okay, comedy's okay. purpose. Wait, which which two girls are you they talking are. about? Pete? The drug punks. Like you thought the drug punks end, were really were, articulate? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the one with the, X, the three X's, X's on their forehead, forehead super super. No, but there was one one girl who was saying that she was inspired by DIY and Discord and uh, and then another yeah. one was inspired to play guitar because of them. But there is a right. weirdness that I would say the percentages in that section are more towards uh, dumb, Disappointment, yeah, dumb fans, dislike. angry fans, and then a, oh, yeah. the a boss guy bit. who was upset that he didn't want to... Yeah. Fucking PC shit. Yeah, uh, where's that came yeah, from? Yeah, the drunk know. punk girl <laughs> yelling at her other drunk punk friend. He's, that guy stormed the Capitol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him. There, there six. It's real cool. He was with Jay Johnston from Mr. Show. It was weird all around. Um, Very strange. Uh, why at the end... It felt like after all of that, why it, it felt like a choice to show... Yeah, and if the, and if they said there it wasn't a choice, it would be like, well, then you subconsciously made a choice to show all the punishers, all the worst parts, uh, the promoter who doesn't know how to spell the band's name. <laughs> like, there's also the guy, there's the punk, the yeah. punk, like capital P punk, who's like, you know, it's about like having fun, and not giving a yeah. shit, and then Jem Cohen or someone else who whoever's filming says, is that what Fugazi talks about in their lyrics? Right, like off cam- from off camera. Right. And that was like, that was the first time that the filmmaker, like, well, second time. There's also the scene when they're in the grocery store where Jim or someone else is filming the um, closed circuit camera, um, and he's and you can see him filming the closed circuit camera while the band is buying like ho hos or whatever. It's an odd late Um, moment reminder that. This yeah. is a manipulated documentary. You know what I mean? That like, and it's also weird because that like, like all the people talking it, might seem like dumbasses, but they also could have been not necessarily like in a you know uh, a bad way, but they were kind of could have been uh, guided to some of those statements, possibly. Yeah, but also yeah, and even if they're not, like the the director or whoever the cameraman at that point feels compelled to point out point out the difference between what he's saying about what the, what the punk is saying about the band and what the director wants to portray about the band. Right. So why all of those things at the well, end? I think that's the thing, because I'm end. thinking beyond just that yeah. they shot it, is that like if they took five years to edit, then they clearly thought through what the sections are. Mm-hmm. And if yep. they're all yeah. barraged at the end, why is that at the end? Is it just like, see what we got to put up with? Like after all that, yeah, it, it can't be no, that. No, but it, it, like, it's it hard. I guess that's the that's why I here is the problem, Matt. It goes back to what you said. If you leave it, that it's just like I want it to be open to the interpretation. My lyrics, this picture of a couch on the back of a Fugazi record that you're like, it should is this <laughs> art or is this just a random photo you found? Uh, it's very is couch. is it uh, you know most famous couch in yeah, hardcore definitely. Probably.
On Doc Still Death, we have a rating system of four tiers. It changes for every movie and is based on the movie and always starts with, this movie is as punk as... And Matt, what are our, what are our ratings here? Ian Counting Money. Can I say Please. the thing, Jeff? How about you say with the punk Matt, can as? I just this say movie it? is as punk as... Ian Counting Money. This movie is as punk as... Uh, Brendan Canty jury or Jerry rigging a shower. Classic Doc Still Death move, a thing we did not talk about in the podcast <laughs> at all. Uh, is, this movie is as punk as. Guy punching granola bar boxes at the grocery store. Or is this movie as punk as Dave Grohl, our consistent every Dave single Grohl. time? Dave Grohl, yeah. baby. Matt, I think you should go first. All right. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't have a good one. I'm going to say it's Gee punching a granola bar box. Um, no, I don't think it's that. Um, DDB to get one? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I don't have anything. I have nothing. I have nothing. I have, I have nothing. I think this movie is as punk as Ian counting his money. Counting them ducats. That's what I was going to say. Uh, why do I think that? <laughs> well, okay, you were going to talk. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, 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 I going to say that too. Jeff, I was going to say that too. Why do I think that is the rating for this movie? Well, because one, it helps that it was one of my favorite parts of it. It's just a weird humanizing aspect of it, and there is something oddly soothing in an ASMR way of just watching that old man in a tidy hat just count off dollar bills it's not in a judgmental way but you can have all the non-merch you want but you're still going to be left at the end of the show sitting there counting out sweaty disgusting five dollar bills and ducats and try to figure out how the fuck you're going to pay for the all the gas to get you to alaska Welcome to well life, said. baby. The cost, now, now Matt, the Costco of hardcore. Matt, do you just want to say ditto after that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he stole everyone my lunch. Right, no, right. I have. I think I have one. Now, oh, now do you, you want to go? Do you want to go? I can ahead. go. Sure, sure. I'm going to go. This movie was as punk as uh, Brendan Canty. Oh fuck! That's really what I was going to do. <laughs> no, no, I'm changing mine. That was what I was going to do. I was going to do that. I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, we've got chocolate. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, so I'm going. Brendan Canty as punk as punk as Brendan Canty, uh, uh, MacGyvering the shower head with a bar Dang, of soap. I think um, for me, you know, what was it? maybe 19 year old Pete Dutton was enamored with Fugazi, and when this came out, I think I just I was seeing Canty it. I was shower. seeing it through rose colored glasses. I just felt like I so many things resonated in seeing them not just on a stage but seeing sort of like what the inner workings were of tour of recording from me was like oh he also has to fix the shower heads not celebrities that that. are just or, like yeah, us <laughs> just like us he's also sitting in a crappy hotel bed singing some dumb song being an idiot to the camera it's like oh we did these things too so for me uh you know 19 year old pete was very into this of just how much it felt like oh they are doing some of the same things even though they're 
in my mind were like these this huge band, and I guess they were. But um, so that's that's how punk it was to me. Yeah, Matt. Now, do you want to say ditto about that too? Yeah, you saw all my okay. language. All right, so um, who's Whose turn is it to pick a movie? We got a Pete pick. Oh. Are we watching the Bane documentary? We are doing the Bane documentary, holding these moments. It came out in 2020, uh, <laughs> directed by Dan Ellswick. We're going to embark to document Bane's final U.S. tour. I've been excited about this one. I've been talking about it since. Before? Never seen it. This is your other F word. You've been threatening this one <laughs> yeah, this I, for so long. All right. I can't. I, I truly can't believe that we're finally doing it. I also just truly can't believe that. I think you asked, is it t- my time to pick? And I said, just pick the Bane doc. I was just fucking around. <laughs> and you went with it. But I went with it. All right. This feels the most millennial one that we're doing so far. Definitely. This one's for the kids. And when I say yeah. the kids, I mean still like fucking 35-year-old men. Yeah. Like versus 43. Um, so, yeah, this one's for the kids, finally. All right. Next full episode, we're watching Bane. Pete, it's a Pete You guys pick. are going to... You're gonna like it. You're gonna. You're like gonna like the lot. way you look in a Bane oh, documentary. You are gonna like. <laughs> you're gonna it like like the way you look in a pull down baseball hat. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's fitted. All right. Well, until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. Up the punks. I'm Pete Zetlin. I'm a patient boy. <laughs> I'm Matt, and I got chocolate. <laughs>